0: To nwccradio.com channel one's down the rabbit hole. My name is Big D, and I'm Brandon, and it's fantastic to have everybody along. Hope your week is going well, and your spring is has sprung. You're not too tied down with allergies, and everything's going okay out there for you,
1: wherever you're at in the world. I know where I'm at; the allergies are killing us. Yeah, it's been. I mean, I'm still in Washington, so yeah, the, the allergies are killing me. So. (laughs) so <laughs> got a couple more months of this crap and then uh yeah then he first
0: of all we want to thank all of the platforms that carry our show and we're not going to go through all of them but we thank all of we all of, we'll put links in the description if you want to go in, over there and listen to us on those and you can continue emailing us at downtherh at protonmail.com down the RH at protonmail.com and you had a great uh midweek there brandon did you, did you like that one? I thought it was very well done and lots of information there.
1: There it was a lot more information than I thought and it was a lot more controversial, that uh, controversial than I thought. But it was one of those things kind of like I made the point when I'm I'm re- researching it doing everything. It really kind of shows the same thing like I, I think that the library just disappeared. Yeah. It just faded away and I think it shows a lot to what we're going through right now.
0: You wouldn't think that that topic would be controversial in any way shape or form. Oh, but it is. It's the subject of great debate, and some people get cr- truly heated, especially in the archeo- archaeological world. Mm-hmm. Like they really go at it about it and are seem to be very invested in it on one level or another.
1: They are, and, and the one thing that I found too in it was, like I said, I think it really shows. Like right now, we have we have so much information and technology at our fingertips but nobody wants to use it and i think that's why we lost the library it wasn't one thing it was just nobody people quit caring about the information and just went with what they were told
0: yeah so the lesson there is be curious about information hoard information Mm -hmm. and make sure you have hard copies of proper information because otherwise if you're relying on the internet and the cloud and all of that it can all be changed or disappear in a moment's notice, if you've got a yep. copy of a book at home, they're going to have to come pry it out of your house.
1: Yeah. And they and don't think they won't change it. It's one of those things that was just, you know, people have been talking the other day about different movies, how the versions now there's certain scenes missing. You know, I have a, a an original DVD of the movie Armageddon and there's right in the beginning, there's the meteor attack scene. And there's a scene that's removed from all you know versions that came out after 2001. Oh, because of the 9/11 towers. Yeah, because in the video, in the in the version that I have, you can still see it. There's a scene that shows where the meteors hit the tower.
0: Yeah,
1: hit the towers, and the towers are burning. So yeah. they removed that scene because it was too traumatic.
0: Well, this week we're going to start a two-part series. It's actually a three-part series. It's going to end on Easter, but. What we're going to talk about over the next two episodes here on our Sunday edition with Brandon and I, we're going to talk about the Knights Templar, originally known as the Poor Fellow Soldiers of Christ and of the Temple of Solomon. And, well, that was way too long to say. So they, they lowered it down to the Order of Solomon's Temple and eventually just the Knights Templar. Yep. And these guys are a fascinating story with tons of mystery surrounding them, all kind of mysterious activities, rumors. And as we'll see in episode two, they may still be at play and world dictators on a certain level in today's world. I'm not saying that they are, but that's the charge, is that they're still involved on a world level.
1: I think it depends on which theory you think of what they really were. Were they really the evil that a lot of people like think they are, or are they really the good hearted Christians that they believed they were?
0: Well, I think what we're gonna find out here is that under the banner of the Knights Templar, there were actually three different groups. Yeah. Yes, the public face for the most part were the warriors, were the fighters. They were like the original roadside service crew. (laughs) They were AAA. (laughs) For all the people who were making a pilgrimage to the Holy Land, all the Christians that were going there and who were getting harassed by the Muslims, they were there to protect them and guide them and and keep them safe and to help them if they ran into trouble or whatever. Then you had a second-tier of the Templars, who were the bankers, and we'll get into all the details of this as we get into today's episode. And then the third tier were this group, it was a way smaller group, but they were the ones who were the guards, the guards of the temple, guards of the money, guards of all the treasures. And all three of them were under the banner of Knights Templar, but they really didn't have a whole lot to do with one another
1: no they did but they didn't it was one of those things that i found it was like they all worked together as a cohesive unit in a sense they all helped each other in some way they, they it's the the whole of the group needed all three but it Correct. was kind of it's a very weird weird relationship that they have
0: so we could go way back further in history to kind of get up to the point where the templars show up because there's a lot of things that happened that caused the necessity of the Templars to come to being. Yes. It's very well documented, and if you want those, it's not hard to look that up if you just look up the history of the Knights Templar. But we're gonna I think we should start in the year eleven nineteen. I think that's a good starting point. Because this is where things sort of all kind of came together. And yeah. it was a French knight, Hughes de Payen who approached King Baldwin II of Jerusalem and proposed that they create this sort of Catholic religious order for protecting pilgrims who were heading to the Holy Land. This was a big thing. King Baldwin and Patriarch Warman agreed to a request and according to a lot of documents, they think it maybe happened at the Council of Nablus, which happened in January 1120 and then the king granted the templars a headquarters in the wing of the royal palace on the temple mount now that is a huge deal at this time yes. because very the, huge. yeah these guys are they're basically self-appointed they just said hey we'll do this and there weren't very many at first because they were going to just kind of ride up and down the road and assist these travelers
1: a lot of things that i read said that for the first it was just the original nine for the first nine years but there's a lot of weird timing in there but yeah it's that was the original statement for the first nine years it was just the original nine they didn't let anybody else in
0: yeah and this temple that they were given headquarters in was supposed to be above the ruins of the temple of solomon And the Temple of Solomon supposedly housed many of the treasures of Christendom. Some people believe the Holy Grail was there. Some people believe the Ark of the Covenant was there. There were all kinds of artifacts from Christian history that were housed at the Temple of Solomon. And this is where they set up shop. And eventually down the line, they were charged with guarding all of this stuff when trouble broke yes. out between the Christians and the Muslims, and that was happening quite a bit, and still is to this day, by the way.
1: Yes, nothing's they still fight over that.
0: Yeah, nothing's changed there. No. So these Templars, when they decided that they should expand their, because like you said, they started with this original nine, and after a while, they realized they needed to be a little bit more formidable foe, Things were getting heated up, so they expanded their ranks. And the way they did this was pretty amazing. To join the Knights Templar, you had to essentially hand your life over to them.
1: Almost like a cult. And that was one of the things when I went through it, there was a a lot of cult. Tendencies, because I, uh, you know, and you know me. I mean, that's one of the things that's been big when we do a lot of these. I love the cults. I love. Fa- I get fascinated by the cults, and a lot of things that they did for the Knights nice Templar. I'm like, these are all like classic cult maneuvers.
0: Well, oh, absolutely! You had to swear to an oath of poverty, chastity, and obedience. You couldn't drink, couldn't gamble, couldn't swear. Prayer was essential to the daily life. And they had to express a particular adoration for the Virgin Mary. Mm -hmm. The discipline, should you go against any of the edicts of being a Templar knight, were not fun. According to this article, Templar knights were legendarily tough soldiers, and they were known for their iron discipline. Minor infractions were punished with floggings. So minor.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Minor
0: more serious misdemeanors, such as fighting or disobeying orders, could result in a brother being forced to eat his meals on the floor with the dogs for up to a year. I assume that was after the flogging,
1: probably. I mean, it's but I mean, it's one of those things, like you said. I mean, it's you know, you were getting into the cult territory, that's what cults do, but when it's for a good cause ish depending on your, your whole idea of the Crusades and everything, we're not going to go down that, that, that battle right there. But it's technically for a good cause, so does the cult become a bad thing?
0: I think the difference here, in my opinion, is, is that they were told this up front before they joined. Yeah. You didn't join and find this out later, and then, and then they said, sorry, you can't leave. They told True. them up front, here's the deal. You can't have sex. You can have no personal possessions there's going to be fasting and you're going to fight. You can't have street clothes. Like their uniforms were basically black or white robes with red cross on the chest. And everybody has seen this in any kind of medieval movie or video game. It's pretty classic. They had to be neatly groomed hair and beard, regularly trimmed. They weren't allowed to wear gloves or pointed lace up shoes since it was claimed that these abominable things belonged to pagans so they were yes. very strict about how they looked how they dressed they were very it was a well-oiled fighting machine this aspect of the templars
1: yes it, it very much was and i mean it's one of those things i mean it's they they were good at what they did and they wanted to be known i mean they wanted to have that image that when you saw someone in the templar garb you knew that you know, they well, you they, didn't have to biased. worry about
0: your kids or your wife, you didn't have to worry about them shaking you down or, yeah, being corrupt. That is one thing, they were not corrupt on that level. You could trust them if they showed up, you could trust them, yes. and everybody did. And they were also feared by those who were, well, I'll just say the Muslims who were opposed to them.
1: Yes, because they, I mean, that was one thing. I mean, they were, they trained and they trained hard. I mean, it's, they were the best of the best fighting, like, they were fighting monks. <laughs> they were the best of the best.
0: Another article, article I read explaining how strict they were is that they were not allowed to kiss their mothers. Like when you said goodbye, mm-hmm. or if you, you happen to see your mom, you hadn't seen her for a long time, no kissing of any females at all. Wow. These guys now have expanded. They act- and they actually lasted a total of around 200 years.
1: Yeah. Once I started, I mean, one of the things that really got them. I mean, at first they, they you know a couple ten years or so, like they didn't have a whole. They, people heard of them, but it was uh, Bernard of Clairvaux who was the one who like endorsed them, which you guys may have heard of as Saint Bernard. Um, but every time I hear that, I just think of a fluffy dog and I want one. But or a cocktail. <laughs> So, but he is the one that uh, endorsed them, and then that's when they really started gaining the ranks from people were like, oh, Bernard of Clairvaux, because he was very well known, you know, and high up in the church. And they're like, okay, if he's endorsing them, and that's when they started getting a lot more recruits and people, you know, using them.
0: Yeah, and, and the Pope endorsed them, and yeah. so they're off and running. They start expanding because they're expanding their size; they- their duties start expanding they of course are defenders of the crusaders and, and all of that that's what they've no, normally been doing but then they start basically hiring themselves out as these uh, like almost like a mercenary group yeah you could hire oh. these guys if you had a battle so kings were bringing them in for fights and cities and towns were hiring them to come in and protect them protect them or train their army or whatever it was that they needed, and they were getting paid, and paid well.
1: Yeah. Well, and the one thing was, too, is a lot of people forget, too, is the, the Knights Templar were beholden to no king. In 1139, Pope Innocent II issued a papal bull that allowed the Knights Templar special rights. Among them, the Templars were exempt from paying taxes, permitted to build their own oratories, and were held to no one's authority except the Pope. Right, so they were kind of like the UN. Yeah. They could just go yep. into
0: any country and
1: do basically whatever they wanted. Yep, they were beholden to nobody but the pope. Yeah. So imagine at that, that time clout. the pope the, the pope was I mean, I don't want to say god, but really the pope was god. I mean, well, he
0: was the ultimate authority to them, especially was. on earth. So it was basically an unwritten agreement. All the kings, they basically carried such clout that they could roll into a town or somebody's kingdom and set up shop and they were to be fed housed treated well and with respect and nobody was to mess with them yeah so that's pretty that's pretty good power right there and honestly to this group of like the warrior side of them i don't think it ever really went to their heads they stayed pretty even keel they knew what they were to, to do they knew what they were doing and I didn't read any reports where they got cocky or haughty or, you know, stepped out of the bounds. It seems to me like they were staying on the the path that they had created for themselves. Hmm? However, uh, one of the things that was a problem was they were raking in all this cash and they didn't know what to do with it. And they would bring it back to the temple and they were storing it in the temple. But they were out protecting and they were out training and, do, and fighting and all this stuff. So they were worried about all this wealth they were amassing back there that it might get stolen. So they started this sort of secondary level of the Templars. And these were what we now know as bankers. Mm-hmm. They basically started the modern banking system. Because another thing that they would do, and you saw this... As pilgrims, and a lot of these pilgrims that were coming to the Holy Land were wealthy, wealthy people. And they were coming not just to hang out for a day. They were there for quite a a long time because it took a while to get there and they had to bring a lot with them. And so they would get attacked on the way there and robbed and whatever. So the Templars devised this system to where they would meet them somewhere, said pilgrim would hand over all their cash, jewels, and everything to the Templars, and they would write out, essentially, a bank statement, saying, mm-hmm. this is what you have, and we are keeping it for you. And these pilgrims could go into the holy city, and they could do business with business people to buy food and shelter, whatever they needed, using this piece of paper. It was a ledger.
1: It was basically a traveler's check.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And so the Templars, for their service, they were taking a cut, and all these businessmen had their money with them in case there was a raid, because the Crusades had been going on, all kind of everything's in upheaval. Nothing is sound and secure. So mm-hmm. these businesses are keeping their money with the Templars. So they're sitting on gadzook's amounts of money, especially for that time.
1: Yes, and they would also do not just that. They would also do one like if you you know, you know, wanted to go to war and go over and fight in the Crusades, you could go to the Templars and say, okay, and basically do a will and testament and say, okay, here, here is all of my stuff. If I don't come back, this is who gets it. Right. And they would hold the stuff. And if you don't come back from the, if you come back from the Crusades, yeah, you get your stuff back. If you don't come back and there's proof that you die and your family gets a letter saying or you know, a message saying, hey, you died in the Crusades, you can be like, well, Brandon gets all my stuff.
0: And they would and take their, it. they would take a cut out of it.
1: Yeah, and they'd take a small cut and then they would hand me all your stuff.
0: And if there was nobody to collect it. Then they kept it. They kept it. Yeah. So pretty good deal. And there was nothing shady going on with it. They were very above board. Mm-hmm. then with their earnings not with not like the way banks do now where they take your money and it's already lent out five different times yeah they operated on a system to where the money that they gained that was theirs they put into built they would build temples they would upgrade their equipment they would spend it on things that benefited them and the community so yes. again people were
1: Loving these guys, they're heroes. They were they were, they're, they're almost like the Robin Hood. Yes, in a lot of ways, they would get back to the community. In a lot of ways, they were supposed to be very you know they weren't supposed to have any ornament. They weren't supposed to none of their clothes were supposed to have any ornamentation on them at all. Um, that's why you see a lot of you know the, we we've talked about them that you know the Solar Temple and all those that said they they came from the Knights Templar and they had weapons and you know. Knights Templar swords that have been passed down through the ages, you know, through their families, and there was these beautifully ornamented swords, and it's like no, the real Knights Templar would never have had any ornamentation. It was against the Templar rules to have any ornamentation on your sword. Your sword was plain. It was a tool.
0: And they were a bit mysterious, because they would ride around. A lot of people couldn't see their faces, because Mm -hmm. most of them wore these helmets. They had the same uniform with the exception of the leader. And they were kind of an ominous figure. I don't know if anybody's ever seen Monty Python search for the Holy Grail and you have the black knight in there. It was very, very similar to that. Although they wore you know, white with the red cross. It's mainly a flash wound. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come back, you <laughs> coward. So they're building temples. They're doing things for the average citizen and they're, popularity and their lore and everything is growing and they start financing kingdoms now mm-hmm. world leaders kings even the pope people of that, that you would not think needed a loan were coming to the templars to take out loans
1: war is expensive
0: right so they would b- basically be funding wars for whatever kingdom it was. And they were pretty picky. I will say this. I I read a lot of things where they said no more than they said yes. Yeah. Because they took a look at all sides. And this was the other thing. If they financed a war, they could not participate. That I found fascinating, too.
1: I did find that, but I did also find how they, it was multiple times um, that they financed both sides.
0: I did see that, too. And I'm guessing they... (laughs) This is where, in our next episode, we're going to get into a lot of the modern theory that they basically set up what essentially the Rothschilds took over and became the world bankers. Yeah. Because they were the first to do this, as far as I know. I mean, I'm sure it may have been done in the past on some level, but these guys were making a killing out of it. And they were... Very, very, very wealthy. So the third tier of this Knights Templar group were the Templars who stayed at the temple and guarded the money and whatever treasures were supposedly in the basement or in the, somewhere in Solomon's temple, which mm-hmm. nobody knows. No matter what you read, no matter what you hear, nobody knows what actually was in Solomon's temple and if it even actually was Solomon's Temple. That were, those were just the rumors. What? No, it's all real. <laughs> so as they're going about doing this, like I said, there's all kind of rumors about what these guys were actually doing because they were very mysterious. And it was eventually kind of their downfall. People started debating as to where these guys even came from. It ended up that uh, there was there were rumors swirling, and there there were actually four different rumors as to where how these guys started, where they came from, and that was causing a little bit of unease among those because they had the you know they had cloud everywhere they went. Some people saw them as ghosts. Some people thought that they were demons, and, and so rumors can spread, and they can spread fast, and that's what was happening to these guys. They were. They were basically victims of fake news is what it was very much. So this is where they essentially loan money to the wrong person. And this was King Philip the fourth out of France.
1: Well, it wasn't just him. It was one of those things. it, It sounds like it started with his father. King Philip's you know his father. I um, mean, maybe even his grandfather. Where that's where the 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 money borrowing had started. Right, but, but I, I from what I
0: the- from what I understood, they pay they all paid it back.
1: Okay, I just know I know they they had borrowed money too, and then it was Philip the Fourth who just like really took it to a whole new level.
0: Yeah. So from my understanding, and I could be wrong. Uh, email me down the Rh at ProtonMail.com, show me where this is. But from what I was able to gather, it seems to me that up to this point, and this is why they were willing to loan money to Philip, is yeah. that they had done business, yeah, like you said, with his father and grandfather, and they had paid everything back. And so they are like, yeah, uh, I guess this guy's, you know, he's okay.
1: Well, I think what it was is kind of, it was, it was a pattern they had you know been borrowing france especially seems to be the one that borrowed all that was the one but they seem to be fighting with everybody
0: right hmm. yeah
1: go figure right <laughs> yeah. it's actually interesting to think because i mean when you think of france now you think of any war with france of them just waving the white flag and whatever but for a long time france was the dominant and the aggressor and the aggressor, and I mean, there was times when France pretty much had control of the entire of Europe. So I mean they, they at one point and now they're just a bunch of dirty frogs, but <laughs> just sorry <laughs> if there's any French legacy, but I couldn't help myself. Well, this <laughs> was a
0: particularly devious plan by King Philip the mm-hmm. Fourth from France because he borrowed a bunch of money from him and he had no intention it seems anyway, of paying them back. He basically told them, I'm not paying you back. And then they said, well, we'll just, we'll just come and take it back. That was kind of their thing. Like, well, that's fine. We'll just show up and you're no match. You're your interior army or whatever, no match for us. And we have plenty of friends. We'll just show up and take it back.
1: Well, and it sounds like, I mean, this is one of those ones where it was like some of the stuff going back and forth with them. Where I feel like the 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 Knights Templar started be, feeling a little too big for their britches because I, there's one. I mean, these of course, who knows? It's a report, and I mean, it was thousands of years ago, um, where basically they say that you know, de basically when he said we're not paying you back, and he's like basically said, well, we'll take you off the king off the throne. Yeah,
0: that yeah, that was also that was about basically their final. Besides saying, well, we'll just come and take it.
1: Yeah, they'll just say, we'll take you off the throne. Yeah, then they're like, well, we'll just
0: remove you from the throne. How about that? Yeah. Because, as we know, they had basically impunity to roll through wherever they wanted to, so nobody was going to mess with them or stop them. Yeah. So the king, Philip IV, he decided to start a smear campaign against the Knights Templar. Mm -hmm. and it was pretty vile and wicked what he did was he rounded up some stray templars brought them into a dungeon and tortured them basically wanted to know their secrets what did they do in their secret service what's what's the deal with their oath give me something that i can use to bring these guys down and they weren't giving
1: anything up that's basically the spanish inquisition
0: yeah, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. And, the, and the torture that he did on the ba- basically just daily oh, brought them to within an inch of their life.
1: It was, I think, they, over 100 that ended up confessing. Right. Because, because well, of the torturing. They're,
0: they're, I believe from what I read, there was the original four that they got. And then they just mm-hmm. kept adding to it because yeah. they weren't getting anything out of them.
1: And the one thing to say on this, too, is this is where a lot of people, like, they confessed. Obviously, they did it. They were tortured and basically said, we will stop the torture if you say okay. You know, and no other country was able to get even one confession out of their nights. Right. France is the only one, and they were all very similar, which everyone's like, oh, that's proof that it's there. It's like, if you can find it, because I found a couple places where they actually showed the transcripts of the questions that they were asked. It was very specific. Did you worship a head, a silver head with a beard? Did you do this? And it was very, very loaded questions. All the things that we've been taught for years now that police can't do because... It basically you're giving them the information and saying, if you just agree to this, we'll let you go. We'll let you go, and we'll, we'll make it so much easier on you.
0: Oh, yeah. The French claimed that these Templars confessed to worshipping, <clears throat> essentially, Baphomet, some goat head, mm-hmm. that they would pee on the cross and curse the Virgin Mary, that there was rampant homosexuality going on amongst the troops.
1: That it was actually part of their when they their initiation ceremony, right, involved kissing on the mouth, the na- which they were okay with the mouth, because and that's one of the things I guess there's something I, I found that back then it was very common for men to kiss each other on the mouth is, is whatever, um, it, we're not talking like tongue, just like a kiss on the mouth, but there was a kiss on the mouth, a kiss on the navel, which was odd, and then a kiss on the lower back.
0: I've never heard of the lower back thing.
1: Yeah, that was one I, I found in a couple of them. When they said there was a kiss on the lower back. Was another one of the.
0: So I know the navel thing sounds weird. So if you had a power of position, and it was usually it was sort of like that they would kneel down, and yes. rather than kissing your ring or your hand or whatever, they would kiss your navel. Yeah. So there was nothing. So there, there was nothing homoerotic going on there.
1: And that's the thing. Everything that I was reading, it basically said that. The mouth, the navel, okay, that's a, you know, they're, they're getting a little whatever. But once they kiss the lower back, that's when it was like, okay, now that's weird.
0: <laughs> who are the, and the French, who are they to talk about weird yeah, things I mean, and weird kissing?
1: Very true. So, and I mean, this is, and the one thing to think about this too, this isn't the first time that Philip, and they called him Philip the Fair. Um, that he had done this. He had also already done this once. He tried saying the Pope was um, doing a lot of this stuff. Similar things. And then also he persecuted the Jews in 1306 and expelled them all from France and took all their stuff. So he'd already tried a couple times to do some very iffy things to get himself out of debt. So a lot of people believe that this was basically just another way to say, hey, the Knights Templar are bad. I want their stuff.
0: So Philip was in debt to a lot of people, not just the Templars.
1: no, he a did lot. the same thing to the Jewish community, who he had borrowed a
0: bunch of money from as yep. well.:
1: Yeah, and then he he basically with the Jews, he was able to to expel them and then take all their property and confiscate all their money and everything, and basically made it so that once he expelled them, any money that was owed to the Jewish population was now owed to him. right. So that he could pay back his debts. And then the same thing, kind of, you know, he was trying to do the same thing with the Templars because he was hoping if he could get the Templars, he could take all of their riches.
0: Another move he made was because he was also after the, the, there were several merchants. They were called the Lombard merchants. Mm -hmm. And he was after them because he borrowed a bunch of money. They wanted it back. And so what he did was he would devalue or debase the French currency to where it would go down to about two thirds. Mm-hmm. So, this guy was not above being a dick.
1: No, he's shady as hell.
0: He was really, really, yeah, he was. He was shady as hell. That's right.
1: <laughs> shady as hell. Uh,
0: so, anywho, once he gets these confessions of all this supposed heretical, and, and you got to remember, in this time, because the Templars are essentially an arm of the Catholic Church. And they are blessed by the Catholic Church. And they have Mm -hmm. the protection of the Catholic Church. And so for these charges to suddenly get out there, amongst already these mysteries that are being presented and kind of these rumors swirling around about these guys, about the Templars, this just piles on. And those who believed the rumors believed this. And... Philip who was cunning as hell got the current pope what was his name clement pope clement yeah to denounce the templars essentially cutting them off from the protection yeah. of the catholic church leaving them blowing in the wind
1: and at first it's one of the things i found that that clement said no at first but then his what he came out with was he didn't he denounced them not because he thought they were guilty, but because he thought their name was tarnished. Yes, by the rumors. By the rumors. But by denouncing them, he took away all protection. Right. Yeah, he did. Had. you're
0: right. He did initially say no, but that doesn't do any good when you finally say
1: yes. Yeah, and then once he said yes, and even though he, he put it with a preface of, oh, yes, but I don't think they did it. But they, I'm still going to denounce you know, get rid of the, the order. It, it just puts that taint on the order that says, oh, they must have been, it, this must have been true of the Pope saying that they got to go. So a lot of
0: shady stuff going here. And all of that was, that, that whole campaign against him was launched essentially by Philip IV. Yes. Also him piling on to sort of rumors and, and mythology that was, that was already out there. About the Knights Templar.
1: And I think a lot of that came down to of other people that owed him money and the fact that they were so secretive. Sure. Because we that's what we run into with any society now. I mean, we, if you have a society and you're you're secretive, you're hiding something, which makes it, what are you doing? And of course, being humans, we go to the far reaches of, oh, if you're hiding something, you're obviously doing something completely wrong and disgusting.
0: That is our natural inclination. There's no doubt mm-hmm. about it. The sad thing on this is that once the Pope pulled their support, well, they were hanging out to dry, is what Mm -hmm. essentially happened. The French king put out an arrest warrant on them, and they did go and round up a bunch of them, including the leader, Jacques de Molay.
1: Yeah, and they, they did it. It was October 13th. 1307. And a lot of people Friday believe
0: 13th. that this is where the unlucky Friday the 13th started. And that is false.
1: It is. It is. It's one of those things that just happened to be a Friday the 13th, but Friday the 13th was already considered. You know? And I
0: wonder if he, uh, so I'm wondering if he knew that.
1: I don't know, but there's, there's a weird thing on this too, that I've, has always shocked me. If you, you look into it, Molay was a pallbearer at one of Philip's, king Philip's like family members like funeral on the 12th so he literally had him come and be a pallbearer at a funeral and then had him arrested the next day
0: Mm. not only did they arrest him but they took all their land yeah accused them in public of being devil worshipers denying god paying on the cross all kind of weird activity and that they we supposed to confess to these sins. Of course, some of them did. Some of the the knights did. I assume these were people who just they weren't high up. They were sort of foot soldiers, and and they just wanted to live. So they're like, "Yep, that's that's what happened." Can I go well, now? The ones
1: that the, a lot of things that I read that what they they didn't nobody confessed to all of them. It was like most of them confessed. What if they did confess? It was to. Yeah. Like peeing on the cross or the homosexuality or any of that. The one thing that they, they, from anything at least that I read, is they weren't able to get anyone to confess to any of the heresy. Because at that time, that was punishable by death. The rest of them you could be forgiven for. But you could not be forgiven for a false idol at that time. False idol was, you're done. I did There's no find forgiveness this- for that.
0: I thought this was interesting, and maybe this tells you why a lot of, the, of these Templars, quote, confessed. It says, those who confessed were able to live in retirement in monasteries, but anyone found to be a relapsed heretic was then charged again.
1: And that was the big mistake that, like, de Molay and a lot of them made. That if you did confess at first and then came back and said, no, that was false, I was forced to confess because of being tortured then they would say that you were you know, a regressed heretic. You were suddenly going back because you went back on your confession.
0: According to this article, a few years after the original arrest of the Templars, the last Grand Master, Jacques de Molay, and other leaders were called in before a council of the Pope. They were found guilty of, quote, relapsed heresy and received life sentences. De Molay argued the ruling and recanted his confession. His life sentence was lifted instead he was going to be burned at the stake, mm-hmm. and in 1312, the Pope officially disbanded the Templars, gave away their land and money to rivals. The money they could find, I will add right there. Yeah, because and this was um, <laughs> we're going to find yeah. out next week that a lot of that money got out of Spare. there.
1: It did, and the one thing is too is a lot of people. This is one of the things where Philip was. The, the Pope, I think the Pope, this was kind of like, hey, Philip, I'm going to let you have this, but I'm going to give you a big F you like right at the end where he said, okay, cool. I'm going to disband them, but all their, planned, all their land and their money goes to the Knights Hospitallers. So he kept it within, you know, another organization within the church. So he kept the money within the church and just moved it from the Knights Templar to the Knights Hospitallers and Philip got nothing yeah
0: that was a nice move on his part but in the end it did essentially destroy what the templars were up to that point
1: it did and when they burned the day that they burned them all it was 54 templars that burned which if you go back to remember my solar temple x episode 53 they burned 53 on that first day that the, the solar temple burned. There was supposed to be one other guy that they were, that ran away that they missed. They wanted the 54, just like the, the Templars. Just
0: like the Templars.
1: And I wonder what the
0: significance of that was, because they had a lot more than that around them. I mean, they had more in captivity. So why, they did, the but 50, for whatever why 54?
1: Reason, I think those were the ones that were recanting. I think the ones that said, yep, okay, cool, I confess, leave me alone. Yep, that was right. I, I'm not recanting. The fifty-four just happened to be the ones that recanted, because it was one of those things too. They said too, because I don't think they expected there to be that many, because they didn't have enough stakes, right? So they pretty much just took them out in the the, the trailers that they had them in the little jar, the the prison trailers, and just lit the trailers on fire. Yeah, they burned them up with several inside. Yeah, just burnt the trailers with them inside. So there is a
0: interesting story about Jacques Demolay. And I say story for a reason, because there's a lot of debate about this. And this is probably where we're going to end today's episode. And we'll get into a lot of the mysteries of post-Templar in next week's episode as to where where did the money go? Because a lot of them did not get rounded up. They scattered.
1: Yeah, because most countries, France, England, everyone went with the Pope. And the Pope said, hey, they're all done. Get rid of them. Round them up. And Scotland said no. I th- And I don't know if they said no. I think they just weren't paying attention to what the Pope said because I don't think they cared at that time. So
0: They didn't care.
1: <laughs> they were just a bunch of drunks running around in their dresses. So
0: <laughs> Yeah, so we're going to look into that next week. But this interesting, and we're gonna, we'll leave on this, this interesting thing that happened with Jacques de Molay while he was b- being burned at the stake. He was quite the antagonist, I would say. like He was not going down without a fight.
1: No, He was going to
0: go down swinging. And he was pissed about this whole thing. And the rumor is, and everything I've read, and I know you've read this too, is that after they condemned him to death and he's going to burn at the stake, and they're joyful and gleeful about this, and he knows it, he pointed to the Pope and to the king And essentially said, I'm going to see you in the afterlife, and we're going to deal with it there. You'll you'll be dead within a
1: year. Yeah, they said we'll have a talk with God together. Yeah, we're going to something
0: about being at the throne. We're going to get we'll have a powwow with God on the throne. The three of us.
1: Yeah, within the year.
0: So, do you think that happened or not? Because the because the king did die mysteriously, and the pope, but they both died kind of mysteriously
1: within a year. I'm not sure. I think because it's one of the things. Everything that I read said that that wasn't documented. There's nowhere that they can find that written down or documented for like I think it was like eighty or ninety years after it happened, and like the original ones actually attributed to someone else. So it's one of those things. I don't know if it really happened. I think it might just be one of those things where, like, this is this would be amazing if it did. I think it's one of those stories that just kind of, you know, got in there.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it makes for good lore, obviously. It does. And this was during the medieval times where a lot of these kind of stories came out. Yes. Right. You you read, you referenced Robin Hood earlier. And if you read anything from the medieval times, it's cloaked in stories and folklore and wise people and all these different things the chivalrous knights and the damsel in distress. And Mm -hmm. so this may have happened. It may not have happened. But the fact is, I kind of hope it did because I think it would be awesome. What it. What a great scene if all three of them are standing at the throne and God's looking down and going, what can I do for you, boys?
1: <laughs> it would be. I mean, it'd be one of those things like, hey, like you know, it, it just, yeah. Because, I mean, it's so, what they did to the, the Knights Templar, I mean, is just so wrong.
0: There was really no reason to do it because... They had not gone against any of their oaths. They were not shady in their business. They were living up to the standards which which they had created for themselves. They were highly respected by governments, kings, the Pope, Mm -hmm. everybody. The common man, for the most part, loved them with the exception of right at the end when these rumors started rolling around about the secrecy of the group because it was making people nervous. In a way, I find these guys fantastic i told you before we started if i could go back in time to a certain period of time and witness it firsthand this would be one of the times i would have loved to have seen this period of time how they lived how they dressed i know it was brutal because these guys weren't using you know modern weaponry or whatever so the battles were horrible and death was very common It was a hard life, but at the same time, we hear so much about this time, and there was this sense of right and wrong then, and I think the odd thing is is that on the ground level with the everyday man, they were living their life. They were just trying to get through the day, trying to survive to the next day, but at the top was massive corruption going on. Massive. On world-level scale. The kings making backroom deals, backroom deals with the church, and on and on and on. Awful stuff going on. And in the middle, for the, for this short period of time, were these knights who sort of balanced out the power between the little guy and the big guys. Yes. And I, I look at them as basically heroes. So, almost in a... I don't want to say romantic way, but in a in a very positive light, the way these guys created themselves, they didn't abuse their power, they stuck to their mission, they got wealthy along the way, but they themselves didn't live wealthy. No. I have to admire that on many, many levels.
1: I, I do too. I mean, it's one of those things I've been going through and reading it I mean, I kept thinking of these, you know, whatever. And and I because, of course, I've heard the stories and you get stuck on. And I mean, we'll mention next week the whole idea of the the Holy Blood, Holy Grail and their their interpretation of it. And Dan Brown's interpretation of it for, you know, um, whatever that movie was or the book and the movie. But his Da Vinci Code, there we go, Da Vinci Code, but his interpretation of it but then I started reading it and I'm like, no, it's, I don't think it really is these people that they think they are these hidden, you know, mystics that did all these crazy, insane things. I think it was just a bunch of people that wanted to help in all reality. That was what they really wanted to do. And they just got caught up in the politics of the world. I mean, how many people do you see now with groups now that try and do something the right way and try and help people. And then other people just take over with the politics. And just land based them because they don't, you know, for their own good, and that's kind of what happened here. Philip owed money, and he didn't want to pay it, and he's a spoiled rotten brat, and just like, you know, I don't want to pay the money, so you're all heretics, and kill them all.
0: That's essentially Cause what happened. Yeah, because he could. Yeah, it's a very sad ending to what I think was a glorious time.
1: It was, and I think I think what it was too, and I think where it was, came up with Philip. Um, I think you know Edward at the time. Edward, I think it was Edward the Second that was part of that was uh, in charge of England at the time. Um, I think he was just okay with them um, because he used them as guards. Yeah. So did the Scottish. Um, And he really did not agree with what Philip was doing until the Pope's said, "Well, this is it," and then he started going along. But it was just politics. I think it was one of those things. Philip felt they were getting too powerful. And it was taking away from his power. So, nope, can't have more power than the king. And he he wiped him out.
0: Yeah, so next week what we're going to look at is all the rumors post the Templars. Yeah. Like what you said. Were they involved in hiding the Holy Blood and or the Holy Grail? Did they end up in Scotland? Did they bury their treasure somewhere on earth because there's lots of rumors about that. In fact, there's a Island up in Canada that supposedly houses some, if not all of it.
1: Yeah. Which there's a big surprise on which Island it is.
0: <laughs> and then there's all kinds of rumors about their banking. Did they go around and become the world bankers? How did they cross paths and what did they have in common with or teach the Masons? Because that is a fact that they did. So we're going to look into that and all the other stuff around sort of the mysteries and the conspiracies of this group, the Templars. And it is amazing to me for a group of guys who started in, what was the 1100s? Yeah. There are still people today who think that they are possibly controlling the world on some level. Maybe they are the Illuminati.
1: Maybe they are. I mean, I mean, maybe. I mean, we've already, there, there's some claims, but it's, of course, in the, the insane book I read, um, but other claims outside of that book, but who knows if they're based on that book, that they're part of the one of the bloodlines that we talked about.
0: Right. So we'll, we'll tackle yeah. all of that next week, and I think that's going to be fascinating because it's a lot of rumor, it's a lot of conspiracy, and there's usually some baseline truth to it, before it splits off into La La Land and/or poss- like real possibilities, so we're going to explore all those avenues and, of course, let you decide for yourself. So, hope you enjoyed this intro into the Knights Templar. It's a fascinating story. There's been lots of movies done about it. I think some of them do pretty good justice. Others are just terrible. Uh, there yeah. are great books that have been written about this in great detail. Uh, a lot more than we could provide in an hour. So if this interests you, I highly recommend that you deep dive on them just as a group, as who they were, what they did, because they were very noble human beings. And during this time of history, I don't think there were many people who were better than this group. No. So I have the midweek and wow, I have what I think is a fantastic midweek episode. The one and only Ralph Epperson, who's the author of the New World Order and several books and I've recommended them all in our program. I caught up with him. I spent about four hours with him. And so I'm gonna play that interview. So you'll get to hear Ralph Epperson himself talk about all kind of things. <laughs> I mean, this guy's interesting and you're talking about a research expert. This is the guy. So that'll be Wednesday. And then Brandon and I will be back on Sunday to with uh the Templars part two.
1: Right on. Can't wait.
0: All right. Well, in the meantime, email us down the RH at protonmail.com, down the RH at protonmail.com, and we're out of here.
1: See you later.